The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is The Jesse Kelly Show. 30 minutes from now, Boris Rifkin with his continuing series every Tuesday at the same time on the Soviet Union, communism. How did we get here? Oh, that's coming. I'm going to get to Medal of Honor Tuesday, which is normally on Monday here in just a second. couple housekeeping items. One, don't miss Miranda Devine. She's on my TV show tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Just... Don't miss that one. The whole Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Ukraine, now we're involved in Ukraine thing. She's a wealth of information there. I would tune into that. That's on the first TV app. That's one. Two, Justin Trudeau stood up today and gave a little speech on Vladimir Putin. Canada and our allies will defend democracy. We are taking these actions today to stand against authoritarianism. The people of Ukraine, like all people, must be free to determine their own future. We will continue working with our international partners to safeguard Ukraine's territorial integrity and prevent further Russian aggression. I have to say, I know this won't be popular. I stand with Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden against authoritarianism i mean what could be worse than think about this think about how disgusting this is what if a leader of a nation what if he threw his political opponents in jail and kept them there i mean how can you even imagine that can you wrap your mind around this what if i mean gosh talk about authoritarianism and tyranny what if what if the leader of a nation killed innocent people on foreign soil could could you even wrap your mind around that gosh that would be crazy wouldn't it oh they're just despicable thank goodness nothing like that can happen here thank thank goodness that look you'd never catch western leaders freezing the assets of their own citizens disgusting the financial instruments which our government is using right now to act against these illegal blockades and illegal occupation. Uh, we reviewed very, very carefully the tools at the disposal of the federal government. And we determined that we needed some additional tools. Now, some of the. Chris, who is that Russian? Man, she doesn't. She has really cleaned up her accent. Who? Oh, oh, that's. Oh, that's. Canada's Deputy Freeland. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I mean, at least, look, at least we can criticize Putin for going out there and intentionally raising energy prices on his own citizens. <coughs> Keystone Pipeline. <coughs> I'm sorry. I said it at the beginning of the show. I'll say it again. 
Western governments in America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, France, and other places, Western governments taking the force of government and aiming it at their own citizens is by far the biggest story in the world right now. And I don't care if Vladimir Putin takes over all of Eastern Europe, that ain't going to change for you or me. Now, without further ado, normally we do this on Mondays, but we were all gone yesterday and we felt an obligation to do it today. It's time for Medal of Honor Monday on Tuesday. Ready? Honoring those who went above and beyond, it's Medal of Honor Monday. This is U.S. Air Force. This is Afghanistan. Technical Sergeant John A. Chapman distinguished himself by extraordinary heroism as an Air Force Special Tactics Combat Controller attached to a Navy, Sea, Air, and Land team. That's SEALs. SEAL team conducting reconnaissance operations in Takugar, Afghanistan on March 4, 2002. During the insertion, the team's helicopter was ambushed, causing a teammate to fall into an entrenched group of enemy combatants below. Sergeant Chapman and his team voluntarily reinserted onto the snow-capped mountain into the heart of a known enemy stronghold to rescue one of their own. Without regard for his own safety, Sergeant Chapman immediately engaged, moving in the direction of the closest enemy position, despite coming under heavy fire from multiple directions. He fearlessly charged an enemy bunker up a steep incline in thigh-deep snow and into hostile fire, directing, directly engaging the enemy. Upon reaching the bunker, Sergeant Chapman assaulted and cleared the position, killing all enemy occupants. With complete disregard for his own life, Sergeant Chapman deliberately moved from cover only 12 meters from the enemy and exposed himself once again to attack a second bunker from which an emplaced machine gun was firing on his team. Sergeant Chapman was struck and injured by enemy fire. Despite severe mortal wounds, he continued to fight relentlessly, sustaining a violent engagement with multiple enemy personnel before making the ultimate sacrifice. By his heroic actions and extraordinary valor, sacrificing his life for the lives of his teammates, Technical Sergeant Chapman upheld the highest traditions of military service and reflected great credit upon himself and the United States Air Force. Let us always remember, huh? Those, those are the men we remember. Now, I brought up something earlier. It's going to sound a little off topic, but I think it's pretty much ap applicable to where we're at now. Because all the headlines are out here right now. Supreme Court to hear Colorado clash over LGBTQ rights and religious liberty. They essentially want to know. You remember all that wedding cake fiasco garbage where all the LGBTQ Air Force people were charging into this guy's his Christian bakery and trying to make him make gay wedding cakes. And look, I don't care how offensive you take this as not. If you're a business... I've just been given the rules for the last two years. If I'm running a business, I can refuse you service for anything I want. Not vaccinated? Get out. Vaccinated? Get out. Mask? Get out. Black? Nope. Don't serve black people here. Choose? Go home. Italian? Sorry. Oh, you're too tall. We're not selling you burgers here. Oh, you're too fat. Go somewhere else for your smoothies. Gay people? Nope. Gays need not apply. Does that sound harsh? 
Well, that's, that's so weird how people think discrimination all of a sudden sounds harsh again. Because I just read for you, I just read for you an email from a guy who just lost his job after 28 years because of discrimination. I could read email after email after email after email from people. I can't go here. My daughter can't go there. My son can't go here. I'm not allowed here. No, 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 no. Don't you dare let these communists now step up and claim discrimination for anything. Discrimination is now part of the law in America. It is part of the law here. Sorry, you just did it. Now, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't necessarily recommend you start refusing service to tall people. After all, we're the best. (laughs) And I definitely wouldn't start refusing service to others who may help your business. But, hey, you've been given the rules. And the rules were handed out very clearly. And once again, the people who spent the time handing out these rules that we will now follow didn't seem to realize norms change when you change norms. When you tell businesses, slap a sign on your door, you're not welcome, sorry, unvaccinated people aren't even allowed in the door, sorry, you're the dirty lower second class, then you had better expect that's coming around the other way. And I'll once again say this when it comes to that stuff. We... I don't even know if I should say we anymore because I don't think I consider myself in this camp. I'll tell you this. For the longest time, I would have considered myself very much in the more libertarian camp. I don't think I would have called myself a libertarian, but you know those stupid little tests you take online where the determine where you fall, almost always I would get libertarian. I was just a very big, hey, keep government out of it, get government out of it, live and let live. Don't care. Don't Whatever you do, don't care. I'll leave you alone. You leave me alone. And I will tell you, I still believe that is the way a government should be. That's the way a country should be set up. But I have really, really come around to how truly naive that was when dealing with communists. They're never going to leave you alone. They're never going to remain neutral. They're not going to respect the live and let live thing. These people are monsters who are out to dominate you. These people want to hurt you. And these people don't want to, I don't know, just be neutral on values. There's no such thing as neutrality on values. That's what I got wrong for so long. You are either pushing yours or they're pushing theirs. That's simply a fact. Staying out of that fight has been the great failure of the right, and younger Jesse participated wholeheartedly in that. It is time to engage in that. It is time to be anti-communists. All right. A U.S. House candidate has had to issue an apology, and uh, we're going to talk about exactly what she did here in just a second. You know what? I might even take calls tonight. 877-377-4373. Now, have you gotten your hero gun yet? Be honest, shoots non-lethal pepper balls 100 miles per hour. They explode on contact. It doesn't require a concealed carry permit. It doesn't require you to own weapons or be comfortable with weapons at all. That daughter of yours, you're sending off to college. Daddy, I don't like guns. Get her a hero gun. It's got a laser sight. Anyone can use it. Even you weapon super studs out there. It's an excellent supplement. You know I love weapons. I have multiple hero guns. Go to Hero2020.com and get something so you can take ownership of your own protection. 
We can't rely on anyone else anymore. We can't rely on anybody right now. It's a crazy world. We must take care of ourselves. Go to Hero2020.com, use the code JESSE, and that gets you a special discount. Hero2020.com, code JESSE. State restrictions may apply. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and look... I thought before I get to America's Democrats, current Democrats, not older ones, current Democrats, what they feel about what's happening in Canada, before I get to this FBI story, golly, and before I get to the phones, 877-377-4373, first and foremost, let's acknowledge, baby, it's National Margarita Day. Ay, 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 ay. I am the Frito Bandido. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. So in honor of National Margarita Day, I thought it would be appropriate to... Sorry, it's not funny. The story's not funny, and I better not catch anybody laughing out there. I thought it would be appropriate to uh, (coughs) read this story from Oklahoma. (laughs) The headline is, U.S. Candidate... Sorry for intoxication during a sleepover. A U.S. House candidate in Oklahoma has apologized after reports that she became intoxicated at a Valentine's Day weekend sleepover for middle-aged schoolgirls, berated several of the children, and vomited in a hamper. (laughs) Sorry. It's not funny. All right. Democrat Abby Broyles, 32 told television station KFOR she had an adverse reaction after drinking wine and taping and taking sleep medication given to her by a friend. Okay, first, let's pause right there. Pause right there. Look, I just, I want to explain something to everybody out there. And this applies to politicians, actors, athletes. Maybe it applies to you in your life. Nobody ever buys the stupid, lame stories people came up with. Remember all the remember all the baseball players who were jacking homers during baseball's big steroids thing? Remember when Barry Bonds' head swelled up like a tick and he's blasting 80 homers a year? And then they had this big hearing before Congress, which was a stupid waste of time anyway. But during this hearing, every single one of the athletes was saying things like, well, I don't... I don't know. I thought it was Tylenol, and then I just started swelling up. Or, or I don't know. A, a friend gave me this cream, and remember, I forget who which was. It might have been multiple of them. <laughs> they were they were accused of injecting something. They actually said, "Oh, I'm not sure what it was." Yeah, because boy, I don't know about you. Just hand me a needle, and I'll just pump whatever's in there into my body. <laughs> remember, remember how lame that sounded. Remember when Joy Ann Reed, that brain dead loser for MSNBC. When she got busted, apparently she had some old blog, which nobody read, and she had a bunch of anti-gay stuff on there. And then she said, well, I got hacked. And that, that brings us to Abby here, Abby Broyles. Just as we begin our journey down this wonderful, wonderful story. Okay, you didn't have an adverse reaction to wine and the sleeping medication a friend gave to you. Yeah, but maybe you mixed wine with the sleeping medication. But why do you always have to throw in the mystery friend? Lady, you got white girl wasted at a middle-aged sleepover 
and you really kind of made a gigantic butt of yourself. All right, you didn't, you didn't do well. But let's continue down the story. I just look that that PSA was was for all people to just be honest. All right, in this day and age, no matter how scared you are of the social media mob, no matter how scared you are of the phone call from your boss, everyone knows the truth. You might as well just come right out and admit it. You know, you look, you don't even have to apologize. You know me. I'll never apologize for anything. I don't care what I do. Let me just get out ahead, out ahead of this right now. Whatever I'm accused of, I probably did it. I'm probably 100% guilty. It's just, just count me in as guilty right now. It's, it's fine, Chris. It'll be fine. No big deal. Instead, she continues on. Let's move along down the story. Instead of helping me sleep, I hallucinated. I love that part. Ah, yeah, of course I blacked out. And I don't remember anything until I woke up or came to. And I was throwing up in a hamper. <laughs> she said she was invited to a slumber party by a good friend from law school who was a mother of one of the girls. Parents of at least one of the girls who were at the sleepover told the online news outlet Nondoc that Broyles used profanity and berated several of the 12 and 13 year old girls at the party, commenting on one girl's acne and another's Hispanic ethnicity. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, I know it's not supposed to be funny. It's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. Uh, one, a lot of people out there, they don't do very well with alcohol. And if you're one of those people, listen, listen. I believe that is kind of like one of those how God made you things. Some people's bodies just chemically don't do well with alcohol. Uh, I had a friend who will go nameless. He would oftentimes disappear if he had alcohol. This is back in the Marine Corps. And we would have to routinely, this wasn't just once, we would have to routinely go out on search parties for him to find him. We would oftentimes find that he, and remember, this is like an upstanding normal guy in normal sober things. We would find that he had broken into someone else's barracks room and passed out on someone else's bed. That was his thing. He wanted to go to a room that wasn't his and pass out on the bed. And if you tried to wake him up, he'd start fighting you. He'd just start punching you. You had to get ready to start fighting. Look, he was a normal person in normal times. He didn't do well with alcohol. If you find yourself making fun of a 12-year-old girl's pimples and throwing up in a hamper, maybe it's time to find a new vice of some kind. Maybe it's time to take up knitting. Look, that's just me. That's just, we've all had a night, all right? <laughs> all right. You know what? That just gave me an idea. And I want to remind everybody, this is a family show. A family show. Kids, listen to this show. What's the dumbest thing, PG rated, what is the dumbest thing you've ever done after you've had one too many? 877-377-4373. You know what we're about to do next. We're about to go to Boris Rifkin. He's going to keep us updated on where we left off with the Soviet Union and communism. But when I get done with Boris, he's going to last about 10 minutes. 877-377-4373. What's the dumbest PG thing you've ever done after you've had one too many? All right? And I've been heavy enough. Let's have some fun. Hang on.
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and we are doing something we've never done before. Every single Tuesday at this exact time, we talk to Boris Rifkin. He's the sole member of Montefly Holdings. He's also a history expert, especially on communism stuff. I learned so much from this guy, and in case you missed the last two, he's not going to recap the last two because we only have him for one segment. you got to go download the podcast. Last two Tuesdays, same thing. But, Boris, we finished off last Tuesday, and Lenin just died. Okay, so Lenin dies. We have the largest country on Earth. Was it just a given Stalin was coming next? Uh, well, thanks for having me on again, Jesse. And just wanted to preface uh, the, our conversation today. Um, it's a really timely time, seems to be talking about all of this, mm-hmm. given Putin's address, the Ukraine situation, and how everything is put into a historical context. He's certainly looking back about a century and a half, uh, it would be refreshing if our officials did the same and had some historical grounding. Mm -hmm. So this just makes uh, these segments that much more important, I think, to understand what's going on. Agreed. And uh, so to get to the the question, uh, so not initially, uh, there was already, even before, it it was pretty clear that he was going to pass on soon. He had a few strokes. There was already a struggle for power behind the scenes between uh, and initially, what was interesting is people assumed that Trotsky was seen as the heir apparent and was bound to succeed him. But in reality, Trotsky was uh, a bit indifferent. He was indecisive. He didn't initially want to necessarily get the top job. And that was a huge part of the reason why eventually Stalin was able to organize a few combinations against him. So first Stalin attacked him from the right, then he attacked him from the left. And eventually, after about really a two-year definitively power struggle, Stalin was able to force Trotsky out of the party and eventually have him expelled from the country altogether. And by really 1926, but to be very generous, 1928, but really 1926, Stalin had emerged as the undisputed leader uh, of the Soviet Union, even though he was never formally de jure the head of the government. It was really kind of an interesting setup, so that there was a formal head of the government with somebody else, but he was always sort of the one who everybody knew was, in fact, running the country and in charge, but he preferred to stay behind the scenes uh, in terms of who was putting their signatures on what and making, uh, you know, any kind of public statements, because he wasn't really a great orator or speaker. He was a bureaucratic operator. Okay, so initially, when Stalin takes over, finally gets rid of Trotsky, did he have 
all the power right away? Was there some kind of central committee with some power in the beginning and he got rid of them? Was it immediately he, he ruled the country with an iron fist? What was it in the very beginning? Uh, in the very beginning, there were a couple of what were called what eventually became known as old Bolsheviks, the people who were in the first Politburo around Lenin, uh, people like Zinoviev and Kamenev and uh, Bukharin, uh, the people who at one point during this struggle for power were allied with Stalin and uh, uh, then shifted over and became allied with Trotsky. Against Stalin, it was uh, a series of these combinations, but by the time Trotsky was ousted, Stalin was, for all intents and purposes, in full control. The cadres of the party and the Central Committee and the Politburo were beginning to be filled with his allies and the people who he uh, opposed and his rivals had either been expelled or were on their way out. Uh, and so there was really no disputing who was in charge by the late 1920s. Okay, you've already covered previously the things Lenin did initially and then how he had to change certain things. What was Stalin's go-to initially? Where, where did Stalin begin with his vision? So originally, uh, Stalin actually um, opposed... Uh, so Trotsky was a huge proponent of continuing war communism and not backing Lenin initially on the new economic policy. Uh, and then there were some shifts in that direction. Stalin came in with an attack from the left saying that the new economic policy was a mistake. And we had to get back to what eventually became collectivization, uh, full nationalization. Uh, so there would be no limited state capitalism really of any kind. What needed to happen was rapid industrialization, pretty much with the aim of preparing the Soviet Union for war. Uh, as you recall, uh, the last time we, we talked, I mentioned the unfinished business of 1920 when they couldn't achieve what they initially wanted to get in Eastern Europe. Stalin had his eye on that and wanted to get the Soviet military ready for a new major European campaign. And so for that, he decided to put a priority on heavy industrialization, that the cities needed to be fed and you had to emphasize building tractors large factories that would produce heavy equipment that could be quickly converted to tanks and artillery and all the rest. And that pretty much meant that the peasants had to be forced to provide grain to the cities to feed the urban population and to uh, there had to be enough hard currency coming in to finance all of this. So that really was what motivated his support for what became collectivization and the terrible tragedy that followed from that. Again, we're speaking with Boris Rifkin, an expert on the history of the Soviet Union as part of our continuing series every Tuesday night at this time. Okay, Boris, you, you just alluded to it got terrible. His collectivization got terrible. How terrible? What are you talking about? Uh, millions of people dying from starvation all across the Soviet Union. So we most famously hear about the what was called the Holodomor in Ukraine, but it was really happening all across the country. Uh and basically it was uh, the, the peasants were first you had the what were known as kulaks. These were sort of the quote unquote wealthiest, most productive peasants were just driven off the land, forcibly exiled, relocated or killed uh, in the millions. And those who were left were basically forced onto these collective farms where there was no incentive to really do anything. And, you know, they were really not paid anything. And they were also tied to the land. So Stalin brought back serfdom. To Russia, so he took the, stripped the peasants of their passports so they couldn't leave the farms uh, without special permission. So effectively, they became slaves and uh, had to produce for the state uh, alongside this huge gulag system 
which actually Lenin began building, not Stalin. That's sort of a big myth that you hear from the left, that it was Stalin who built the gulags and the concentration camps. Lenin and Trotsky began that. Stalin expanded it and made it you know, far grander and more institutionalized, but it really began already with Lenin. Uh, and so those two aspects of the regime that emerged, this sort of forced collectivization, this gulag system, and the militarization of the Soviet Union, gearing up for what eventually became the Second World War, those were the animating themes of Stalin's reign throughout the 1930s. Okay, and just real quick, Boris, what what does, I understand that the communists don't have any regard for human life, I get that part of it, but what does Stalin practically get out of starving millions of Ukrainians to death, and people, as you pointed out, elsewhere in the Soviet Union, what does that benefit him? Uh, in reality, on the one hand, it was just ideological contempt for the peasantry, the same kind that Lenin had, uh, and but more narrowly, it was uh, hard currency. He basically, while millions of peasants were starving to death, Soviet grain exports to Germany, by the way, including to Nazi Germany, uh, by that point, uh, and abroad to Western countries, uh, was increased. So you had a mass famine happening in your country while you're exporting huge amounts of grain abroad. And the reason was to get the hard currency, to build the factories, and to eventually build the tanks and to, to militarize. That was his priority, to gear the country up for war and to push through this rapid industrialization, which required uh, outside investment. And the only thing that the Soviet Union could at that point really export that would give him the hard currency was grain. Boris Rifkin, everybody, well, we'll see you again next Tuesday, my brother. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jesse. Have a good one. Every Tuesday, same time, we get a little history lesson on communism from Boris Rifkin. And don't forget, my history podcast got put up yesterday. It's on the same feed on the Korean War. Go enjoy that. Now, it's just some emails. I'll get back to your phone calls. 877-377-4373. What's the dumbest PG thing you ever did when you had too much to drink? This one says, geez, Jesse, I got a pair of my slippers because you said so. I love them. So great. So soft. I think of you every time I wear them. Love you. My pillow makes the best stuff, man. They make the best stuff. Made in America stuff. Everything comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. And right now, Giza Dream Sheets are the lowest price ever. They're 60% off. Not 16, 60. You have to go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code JESSE. And you can get them as low as $39.99, I told you. And everyone knows Giza, everyone knows about Giza cotton. But, oh, my goodness, the sheets are just the softest freaking things ever. They never get old. MyPillow.com, radio listener specials, use the promo code JESSE. Or maybe you're driving, that's fine, whatever, 800-845-0544. We'll be back with your calls and Democrats in America. Where are we? Hang on. What, Chris? We can make jokes. It's fine. You got that right. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. I mean, who was this genius back from? I mean, this is August 22nd. Who was the guy who was on TV and radio saying stuff like this? You should feel embarrassed on behalf of your nation because we look terrible to the rest of the world right now. There's not a way to put it. This is an international, international embarrassment. America has been the global superpower for your entire lifetime. It has. 
We took over that rule right about the end of World War I. That's when we really became top dog. And we've been top dog ever since. That's about 100 years. The world is looking right now, and they're asking, are they still top dog? I mean, this is not what the top dog does. This is what some fading power does. That was me back from August after, after Afghanistan. Look where we are now. Look, you know what the Kremlin just said? You might not have heard it. it just came out like five seconds ago. Kremlin just said, they're not worried about the sanctions. They knew all the sanctions were coming. Because we told them we were, they were all coming. What a bunch of idiots we have. Again, it's a people world. We forget that we have all these overeducated nerds over there. I, I went to Harvard for 9,000 years. Yeah, but you don't know people. You can't read the room. You don't know what makes people tick. So you're useless. Before I get fired up on that, before I get to the phone calls, let me say this. I tell you about Pure Talk a lot. And you know, you've seen the things Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile do with your money. You've seen the commercials they run. You've seen the things those corporations do. I talk about Pure Talk because they don't do any of that stuff, and they never would. CEOs of Vietnam veteran. They love this country. American customer service. When's the last time you saw a major company like this base their customer service in America? Maybe the best part isn't even the money savings. Average family saves over 800 bucks a year. Maybe the best part is it takes less than 10 minutes. Keep your phone. Keep your number. Keep it all. Just dial pound 250 and say Jesse Kelly and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Pound 250, say Jesse Kelly. Less than 10 minutes to switch from that filth to pure talk. Pound 250, say Jesse Kelly. All right, it is time. Remember, I, I want to I wanna remind everyone of a couple things. Because I don't take very many phone calls on this show. One, nobody wants to hear us small talk. No, hi, Jesse. No, how you doing, Jesse? No, I love the show, Jesse. I will not be saying thank you for the call or any of that other painful stuff every other radio show does. None. When I see your name and location, you go. That's one. Two. And I really mean this. And longtime listeners will know I mean this. Yes, I'm a bad person. I know that. We have kids who listen to this show regularly. Some kids sneak off and listen to it when they're supposed to be going to sleep. That that gives me a sense of responsibility. I ask for stories about dumb things you've done when you've had one too many. PG stories. If you can't keep them PG, hang up. All right? PG stories. Without further ado, Murph in Houston, a Marine. This should be good. Go, Murph. We are at a Marine Corps ball in 29 Palms, California. Mm-hmm. And we were so lit, I got cut off at the bar. So I pulled the fire alarm so <laughs> no one else could drink. <laughs> Thank you, Murph. Did you get did you get caught before I let you go, brother? <laughs> I I did not get in trouble. The the MPs or PMO were beating on my barracks door, but uh <laughs> I was half dressed in my dress blues and next thing you know, my Sergeant Major covered for me. Oh, how about that? Semper Fi, my brother. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Mark in Idaho, go. My 
wife is Ukrainian by birth. We were attending one of her best friend's wedding in Ukraine. And at the supper celebrating afterwards, some of the other gentlemen were uh, talking amongst themselves as we were doing toasts with vodka. And I asked my wife, what are they saying? And they said, well, the big American, but he can't drink like us. Because I was being moderate with my toasting. These guys were throwing them back. I'm like, oh, we can't have this. (laughs) Never, never, never try to drink with those folks. How, uh, how'd that night end for you, Mark? I just hung over. I was incapacitated for two days. I just hung over. Incapacitated. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> look, look, male pride, male ego has gotten many a man in trouble. Right, many a man in trouble, especially if you've had one too many. I can hang with them. Oh, wow. I'm in Tijuana. That's how these things happen. I'm telling you. Johnny in Jersey, go. Well, I'm about two years after my first divorce in my mid-30s. <laughs> I'm at the go-go bar drinking away, jacked up on all this and that, and I decided to jump up onto the bar, across the bar, and start in the middle of the bar working the pole. The three bouncers decide I was very disrespectful, come grab me. One opens the door, and the other two toss me out into the dumpster in the back of the building. I am genuinely sorry. I missed that, my friend. Man, I wish there was an internet video of that out there. Gosh, <laughs> Ken in Idaho, go. Yeah, so one evening, me and my friend, when I was a teenager, we liberated uh, a bottle of uh, schnapps and some cigars from, oh. his, uh, from his dad's stash. Oh. Uh, climbed up on the roof, as we usually did, to watch the sunset and shoot some birds. And sooner or later, uh, we decided to smoke those cigars. But being so drunk, I couldn't light the match. Uh, and it was kind of windy. So we decided to eat the cigar. My friend didn't, but I did. And shortly thereafter, I started throwing up. So I went to the edge of the roof to try to throw up and then uh, ended up falling off the roof. Uh, <laughs> to this day, I don't drink schnapps or brush my teeth with uh, peppermint toothpaste. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. I'm glad to hear you made it out okay. <laughs> What's the... What's the dumbest PG thing you've ever done when you've had too many? I do have to get to some emails before I get to these poll numbers. You see, they took a poll. They took a poll about what American Democrats, what they think about Justin Trudeau. I mean, let's remember, we Americans, we just watched our friendly neighbor to the north take a bunch of peaceful, fun-loving truckers, and they stomp their heads into the ground for days on end. This, I mean, this... This was the Ottawa police. I just want to get a coffee, okay? Why is the camera in my face right now? Are you here partaking? You walked right up now to you're me. in the red zone? I'm scared. I want to go for a coffee down there. Okay. Can I, can you, I go for a coffee? Where's your residence, ma'am? Do you live in this? You're no, not excluded here, from that. I, I'm where do you go- live? Alberta. Time for you to leave. I can't even go down there for no, a coffee. No, go grab yourself in the red leave. zone right now. If you don't leave right now, you will be arrested. Do you understand me? Grab yourself, because if we see you, we'll be patrolling all day. If we see you again, it'll be different. Leave. What did I tell you? Take your camera and get out of here. Do you understand that? I'm walking away. Walk away. Okay, I think you get a good idea where that one went. We just watched an entire weekend of them stomping a woman's head into the ground with a horse. Things like that. There's an internet video out there. I'm sure we've put it on our social media of cops beating the crap out of some poor guy who didn't lay a hand on the cops. What what did American Democrats see when they saw that? You were horrified. What did American Democrats see? We'll get to that. 
in just a second. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.